It's a shame we didn't get any of that on the recording, though. <laughs> Another time. Imagine me and Moar You Penguin Drum. I'm Panda. I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host Alice. Hi, Alice. Hey. And I'm also here with Cass. Hi, Cass. Hi. I really wish we had just done the intro as Imagine. We missed an opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) We will have to remember that for next time. We are here today to talk about episode two of Moaru Penguin Drum, and I definitely know what the name of this episode is. I'm not stalling oh, long enough for... Oh, what is it, Alice? Don't step, don't step so close. God you did, you co-opted me. Oh, I knew you were going to bring that up eventually, so it was a pretty safe bet to stick that in the soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> the real, the real, sh- the real format that we have is actually just a single Google Doc, um, and it just says Alice gets owned, and that's the only, that's the only bullet point we have. <laughs> well, I, that's really cute that you want the listeners to think that we have a Google Doc for planning episodes. Hey, we do sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> this is not one of those times, listeners. Really not one of those times, which is why we just ended up having a 30-minute conversation pre-recording about William Faulkner and uh, Claudio Sanchez from Coheed Cambria. Alice, we're not getting back to it. I just needed the listeners to know that that I'm, was I'm not gonna, I wasn't going to say a word. conversation that we had. But... Cass, you have been uh, chomping at the bit to talk about this episode for three weeks in in real time in between uh, recording the last episode and now because, uh, as listeners probably know, I moved recently, so we had to scooch some recordings around to give me more time to do that. Temperature check. How are we feeling about this episode? I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Alice? I'm not going to elaborate. That that was it. This is uh, this show, at least in this episode, is more Sarah Zonmai than Sarah Zonmai was. <laughs> well, that's kind of interesting. This is actually what I expected Sarah Zonmai to feel like. You know what? I That's kind of fair, actually. I had a thought earlier, before we get started in the actual episode, I had a thought earlier about how Ikuhara kind of reuses, if not entire character designs, then like elements of character designs. Uh, we, You know, we've commented on this a lot before. And you know what it reminds me of is like when directors will have like, like their favorite actors, like their pet yeah. actors that they put in every project. That's kind of... In a way, Ikuni is able to do that without them being real people <laughs> because they are anime drawings. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of an interesting parallel. No, I can kind of see it. 
but um, we can see more of that as uh, the the show goes on. Uh, these like elements of designs that we see pop up in uh, later Ikuni projects. But um, let's get started with the episode. Oh uh, yeah. We hear a voice from off screen say, I love the word fate. You know how they talk about fated encounters? I love that the opening shot of this episode is uh, someone flushing a toilet. And as she walks away, stars rise up from the toilet bowl and follow her for every subsequent shot. Yeah, very Gahara imagery. Yep. And this is uh, our our new newly introduced character, Ringo. We saw a little bit of her last episode, I think. And she says, you know how they talk about faded encounters? Just one single encounter can completely change your life. Such special encounters are not coincidences. They're definitely fate. And she's checking her hair and other uh, stuff in the mirror in the bathroom. And we also see in another mirror is uh, another girl who is uh, clearly supposed to be more fashionable. And she's talking on the phone and says, uh, it'll be fine. I've got my triple lace lingerie on to seduce him. Third lace is the charm. And then, of course, we have my least favorite anime trope immediately follows this, which is the um, chess comparison. Yeah. I thought this wasn't real until I turned into a woman and I realized that I am unendingly in boob envy, although I don't know if that's... I don't think it's real. I don't think anyone's had this emotion. I have! Yeah, but you're a fox. Like, I don't think it's something that cis women experience as much as they are shown to in anime, for sure. That's what I actually mean, um, jokes aside. It definitely happens, and especially in, like, adolescence, but, like, I mean, I never, I never compared my breast size to other women's breast size, but, like, I'm kind of an outlier case. The real reason I don't like it is less because I think it's kind of unrealistic, because, like, I mean, people are weird, and they do all kinds of things, so, yeah, I totally believe that there are probably lots of people who have had this exact feeling. I mean example right here but the thing the reason i don't like it and the reason i pointed out here is that it always feels like it doesn't really i don't usually like it because it feels like it's shoehorned into a moment that otherwise would never have made me think of this at all the thing about it is is that like this doesn't seem like this doesn't seem earnest this seems like a man reproducing the idea that, like, women compare breast sizes as opposed to, like, I don't know. I will say that at least in this case, this has payoff in a way that normally doesn't. We'll get there. Keep going. (laughs) The payoff is, uh... Anyway, uh, back to uh, Future Diary, I mean, um... (laughs) Water Penguin Drum. The Ringo narrator voice says, of course, life is not all happy encounters. There are many painful, sad predicaments. It's hard to accept that misfortunes beyond your control are fate. And she sighs because her titty's too small. Everyone F's in the chat for Ringo's titties being too small. I feel you, girl. That transition's rough. But I think there's a meaning, no matter how sad and painful things may be. And she kind of peps herself back up. And says, nothing in this world is pointless. 
And something that I haven't mentioned about the, the visual here is what we were seeing when both of these girls were looking in the mirror. It, if you're not actually watching the show, I'll, I'll kind of explain the visual because I think it it's a really cool look. It, you just see like the two frames of each mirror kind of like floating in this sky, cloud, stars... I don't think that's uh, the sky. I think it's actually underwater and those are coral formations that the stars are moving through. Okay. I see the coral down at the bottom, but uh, yeah. I towards the middle, they look like clouds. I see now that uh, it yeah, is it's, underwater. But it's very pretty is the point. Yeah. it's. I bring that up because uh, Ringo also has a little uh, starfish charm on her bag. And, and a jellyfish. Yep. Both of which I think are things that penguins eat, actually. Oh, interesting. Well, we're going to talk about what penguins eat later, but I don't think those came up. They do not. But yeah, it's sort of like the frames floating in the abyss while you see, like, your kind of mirror's eye view, seeing the both of them look into the mirror and adjust themselves. And then when Ringo's doing her little pep-up moment, it's just her frame in the middle of the, the screen. It's very cool. She says, I believe in fate. And now it's theme song time. Excuse me, no, penguins do not eat starfish, though they do eat squid. That's what I was confused about. Mm. Just more of an aquarium motif then to go with the, uh... Yeah. All of this is sort of linked in an aquarium motif. Yep. Also, there are lots of circles in these opening in this opening sequence. Have you noticed that? Yeah, lots of circles. We see that in Sarah's Zambai, too. Yeah, I, I wonder what they represent here, because in Sarah's Zambai, the circles are kind of, like, showing how everyone connects to everyone else. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to be doing that as much here. Well, here I think a lot of it is inspired by, like, signage at, like, the train stations. It's definitely that, but, like, because you see, like, the uh, the broken half circle at a couple of points. Mm-hmm. But um, it goes beyond that, because they do it even at times when they're not using the train imagery. Like, yeah, the fact that, um, oh my god, the brother's hands just, like, form a circle around each other the apple is slowly rotating himari rotates as she descends Mm -hmm. it's just like lots and lots of circles and i wonder what that is setting up because there's definitely i mean it's an ikuhara show but even if it weren't that's too much of a leitmotif for me not to care about it yeah well we've got several episodes so i'm i'm pretty sure we can come to some sort of thought about it uh, we have exactly 24 episodes uh, to figure out what the circles mean. Yeah. Anyway, it's the Takakura residence. And they are eating. And I think it's Kanba asking about, like, what do penguins eat? I, I love that they've set up a little shrine for the hat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that'll be important in just a sec. Himari says the lady at the aquarium said she feeds them sardines and mackerels. I guess she has experience. Well, I was thinking a pet store, not aquarium, aquarium. They say it's going to cost a fortune to feed these penguins. And one of the penguins uh, kills a roach with bug spray. Yeah, it's really funny. The roach spray has got to be the insecticides are like penguin drums version of the rose spinning roses. It's kind of funny. Speaking of which, in the middle of this shot, Without drawing any attention to it, Hamari's just wearing the penguin hat now. Yeah, it has fallen off of the shrine and onto her head. Anyway. Now it's time for the survival strategy. (laughs) It's time for that sequence again, the one we know and love. 
with everyone's favorite song, Rock Over Japan. Welcome to Rock and Roll Night. Welcome to Rock and Roll Fight. Uh, I was joking with Alice earlier that this whole sequence, the animation is kind of like, all right, I want you to do a neck combining sequence, but what if it was drawn by a Lisa Frank artist? Ooh, I like that. Yeah, it's definitely got all of those insane colors and uh, the bears. It's definitely like a big Lisa Frank theme. Yeah, like it feels like a, a very good blend of that kind of aesthetic. Anyway, uh, it's time for Bear Court. <laughs> it's time for Penguin Court. And it's time for the Princess of the Crystal to once again tell Himari's brothers, they're not her brothers, they're Himari's brothers, that they will never amount to anything. <laughs> and she calls them low lives. And they make the exact same, wait, what the hell? So it really wasn't a dream. Kanba asks where the penguin drum is. And uh, the Princess of the Crystal says, get on the train departing at 0810 hours today. Wait in the third car by the second door. Ringo Oganomi will get on at, oh, I missed the name of the uh, train stop. Doesn't matter. But um, this is a classmate of theirs, or not a classmate of theirs, but I think it is somebody that they know, huh? Or is this the first time they're meeting her? This is the first time they're meeting her. Okay. Yeah, she doesn't go to either of their schools. I remember yeah, that she, she was not actually uh, at their school, but for some reason I thought that they already knew her. They they don't. This is the first time they hear her name. Okay. Because they uh, recognize her name when it's spoken by someone else on the train. Mm, gotcha. The Princess of the Crystal says she has the penguin drum, and then it closes up tight on her face, and she kind of looks off and says, probably. <laughs> And it is extremely funny. Shoma losing his mind over that, probably. Yeah. Shoma yells about it being probably, and Princess of the Crystal does her little magical girl bullshit and starts to walk down the spine staircase in the middle of the ribcage thing. The whalebone bridge. And she says, what, do you have a problem with that? Don't you care what happens to your sister? And then uh, her like skirt explodes off and Sho says, we will gladly serve you. Oh, magnificent hat. (laughs) And she says, you must find the penguin drum at all costs. If you fail, consider your sister's life forfeit. There go her uh, shoulder sleeves. Yeah. And Sho says, uh, but making us responsible for something based on a probably is unfair, which is when one of the penguins, of course, hits the button for a show to be dropped uh, out of the platform and into the abyss, and he is gone from this scene. And it's time to initiate the survival strategy, which in this case does not include the uh, fallback nudity. Well, not that we see. Not that we see. And I wondered why we did not see it this time, uh, if this was an episode that was going to be like slightly more tasteful. Oh, hmm. Interesting. I have, uh, I have thoughts about that. (laughs) Anyway, welcome to the train where, uh, the boys are speculating about the events that have led them up to this point. As a recap for anyone who didn't watch episode one. Yeah, we're getting a bit of catch up in case you forgot what happened in episode one. Yep. And while they are catching up, you can see in the background and eventually in the uh, foreground 
another of the little train advertisements with the double H girls. And this one is, uh, yeah, most uncomfortable anti-molestation ad I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Just like one of the little chibi girls gets groped by like a stick figure and the other one handcuffs him. And it's like, I'm sorry. And, and this whole time, uh, one of the penguins is sliding up and down the train car. Which is adorable. Like a vicious game set up by God. That sounds like something Alice would say. <laughs> it does sound like something you'd say, hon. That does sound like something I would say. I say shamefully. <laughs> and now we're getting a flashback. The title card sign says, uh, Shoma, front train car, sister resurrects. Mysterious incident. It was not a dream. Then what was it? That is, it's so extremely Sarah's online. Yeah. This is a beautiful series of shots of Himari uh, in her hospital bed as her EKG uh, went to zero. Mm-hmm. And kind of showing her suddenly reawakening again. This is mostly still catch up from the previous episode, but it does serve as a nice little transition point for what happens next. And Sho asks his brother, who's kind of been taking a nap this whole time, uh, what kind of person do you think Ringo Ogonomi is? She's riding the train at this hour, so she must be an office worker or a student. And the the penguin, who has been sliding up and down the floor on a piece of newsprint or magazine, now has part of the print uh, on his little tummy. It's really funny. I know. Hanba uh, opens his eyes and says, in any case, she should be easily recognizable since we weren't told any- anything about her. Our task is to obtain the penguin drum. And he holds his hand over his heart where we saw him get something pulled out of him mm-hmm. in the previous survival strategy sequence. So that may have happened again this time. Yep. Just off screen. Anyway, uh, too many people have gotten on the train and now Kanba and Shoma are never going to be able to find the person they're looking for because they can't tell anyone apart. So they decide to dispatch the penguins who are absolutely useless and getting trampled because normal (laughs) people can't see them. Yeah. This joke starts off very charming and slowly sets the tone for everything else in this episode. Yeah... Oh, uh, what is this? Oh, the penguin has had to uh, shimmy up into a crowd crush, and oh no, he is forced to push it against a girl's butt to get out. The first time is funny. The first time is like, oh no, the 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 cute guy is in danger, and he has the silly like jump across to, to to safety. It's charming the first time. I actually did not register that as being pushing against the butt until like the next scene. Yeah. Yep. Like, in a lot of anime, that would have just been a visual gag, and that would have just, like, not come up again. Mm -hmm. In this one, in order to set up the next plot beat, we get this very angry Gyaru, who's in a school uniform, who is reading Shoma the Riot Act, because she thinks he groped her. Notably, wearing the same uniform as Ringo was in uh, our opening sequence of the episode. Yep. Absolutely reading him the Riot Act, and to be fair, uh, he did in a way, grope her butt with his stand, uh, Penguin 1. <laughs> or long-range automatic type. He kind of tries to, he tries to deny that it was his fault or that he did it, and realizes that he can't tell her the truth, which is that it's 
a, a penguin that she can't see and is now stepping on its face uh, who grabbed her butt because only members of their family can see them. Yep. Poor penguin. Is it penguin? Yeah, it's penguin two actually. That uh, is the one who hangs out the most with Shoma. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Kamba is the oldest, so he has penguin one. That's right. If you tell me you can tell them apart, I am going to be so mad. Uh, I actually can. They do have distinct personalities, and no, the later in this episode, we get a distinguishing mark for each. Of them. Oh yeah, we do get we do get a distinguishing mark for the penguins later on. Yeah, it's like literally like. I, think in the oh, I know that. I'm, I'm talking about before that. But yeah, continue. Yeah. Kamba comes in to kind of save the day and takes the blame for uh, the butt grab. He says his bag was stuck and he yanked it out. I just want to talk about the fact that his face has just like turned into a parody. This is what like people who draw parody art of Yaoi characters draw Yaoi faces like. Yeah. When I when I saw this in my head, all I could hear was the English stuff for Kaguya. Shoujo manga brain. <laughs> Not even. Not even. Because, like, God. <laughs> it just keeps going. It's it legitimately the best joke in the episode because of how hard they commit to, like, what if, like, this, it was manga drawn by a 15-year-old who it's knows really good. shoujo manga is in theory but has never drawn one in practice. It's really good. And this, of course, charms uh, the angry Kiaru. And you know what this reminds me of? Have you guys seen that meme, like, the the office lady? And, yes, like, it's the office lady meme. Yeah, and the, the guy tries to talk to her, and she's like, ah, sexual harassment. And then, like, in the next panel, a hot guy tries to do the same thing, and she's like, oh, how hot, or whatever. That's this. That's this. Yes, literally. I do love that the uh, molestation ad does play in the background behind uh, Kanda's Yeah. Anyway, uh, they've just been uh, told that Ringo is getting is on the train, and they get to see her, and she is missing a shoe. Huh. She is missing a shoe. Yes, mm-hmm. but she says, I wonder where it could have gone. Just like Anne from Amphibia. Amphibia is over, and there will never be more. I know. It's too soon. Instead, we have Penguin Drum. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> Neither do I! Kamba tells Sho that he has to take care of this because Kamba has something to take care of. Something else. So it is Sho's responsibility to tail Ringo. And By the way, if you out. wanted to pay off for the uh, shoe thing in the previous shot, Ringo's shoe is visible on Penguin 2's head. Yeah. He got very hard stepped on and ended up with a shoe. Anyway, uh... Inverse Wakaba here is <laughs> being the worst of all Wakabas. Yeah, a uh, friend runs up to show and kind of tries to talk to him and keep him from, uh, inadvertently keep him from properly tailing Ringo. Fortunately, show gets away from him, but unfortunately, oh no, she goes to a prestigious all-girls school. How am I going to get in there? And this is not Mob Psycho, so we are not about to see show cross-dressing. I know! Ikuhara wouldn't get there. He even mentioned it. Payoff! Cowards. Cowards, indeed. Ikuhara's sitting there going like, I was a coward last time as he plots out the opening episodes of Sarazanmai. (laughs) 
we do not talk about that that entire part of the plot. Not in my presence. Well, I mean, it's not like the show does either. (laughs) Anyway, so show, yeah, it shows like, what should I do? Should I cross dress? And then uh, Kanba shows up out of nowhere and is like, do you want to? And uh, show rightfully freaks out. It was like, where were you? Uh, Convo is taking care of some secret business. I'm sure we won't find out about that later. I think the implication is that all of the stuff that's about to happen is what he was taking care of. Yeah. So he has a laptop and a USB with a dossier of, like, every student in the school. Yeah. Which he got because he used to date a girl who was really good at hacking, which Shoma rightfully points out is a crime. His programmer socks got you acted a fool. <laughs> I, I'm gonna be real. I kind of wish we were a video podcast right now so we could have, like, a little crimes committed counter going for this episode because, like, it would genuinely be funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do get confirmation that Penguin number two is uh, shows Penguin because uh, Kanba takes it and <laughs> writes on its back with a white marker it's probably like a paint pen or something that's what it looks like to me anyway it's labeled white pen and it looks like um another pen drawn on top of it which is very funny to me so kanba has labeled the penguins one and two and then he says that the one home with himari is three and that'll be that'll make it easier to distinguish them and i think you can tell them apart because uh kanba's has like a little band-aid unless that's not always there yeah and finally Kanba duct tapes walkie-talkies to the penguin's head. Little tactical penguins. Little tactical penguins. To sneak into the school and figure out what the deal is with Ringo. I hate this gag, but this is so adorable and cute. Little operator penguins. Yeah, but this part of it's adorable. Penguin drum of Madagascar. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. Well, the penguins have reached the classroom, and um, they have found Ringo, who is at the uh, anime traditional window seat. Kanba instructs them to check her belongings very carefully. (laughs) And while they do, Shoma asks, hey, should we be doing this? This is kind of, like, illegal, to which his brother points out it's a victimless crime, and he goes like, yeah, but this is kind of a moral issue. I can't believe we're... uh resurrecting creep shots discourse in this the year of my lord 2022 i know uh speaking of creep shots oh yeah just forces it begins ringo's legs and she crushes her thighs oh i was so conveniently looking away from the tv when i was watching this episode and that shot happened earlier so i had forgotten that that was in this at all yeah um sex crime number one of question mark the end justifies the means he says as the penguin climbs to her purse for hamari's sake we don't have any choice we have to violate this woman's privacy anyway uh (laughs) penguin so she just straps one into her purse and it gets stuck it's very funny I can't believe, like, we've been not even, like, Ikuhara, why are sex crimes a leitmotif this episode? I think sex crimes are just sort of a enduring theme of 
Ikuhara's work. Yeah. Is our podcast problematic, Panda? Look, we are not problematic for talking about Ikuhara. People should be asking, is Ikuhara problematic? And I don't care about the answer. Are we problematic for platforming Ikuhara? <laughs> I find the concept of us platforming Ikuhara to be very funny. <laughs> I know, right? Well, like, your audience than Ikuhara. It, it's like, what platform? Our, our, our platform is absolutely massive. We just, we reach out to so many people every night. I mean, without us, who would have even heard of Uthana? Oh, yeah, I forgot that we did introduce the entire Anglosphere to Revolutionary Girl Utena. Are you technically like one of the largest Revolutionary Girl Utena fan fan podcasts? I mean, we're one of of them. We we were one of the only for like four years, and then uh, now there are two others that I know. Two or three others that I know of. Too and many I know people got into the game. Other uh, podcasts have covered Utena, or like there was one podcast that was covering Utena that I saw uh, when we first started, but I think they had been uh, defunct for a little while. So um, we, we were uh, technically the biggest podcast in the game for a little while there. Wow. <laughs> now back at uh, their household. Himari is talking to her penguin and she says that she's hungry and asks if she should make something to eat. And she asks the penguin what she would like. And we see she is reading a magazine and in the magazine we see the double H girls and apparently whatever is the blurb about them in the magazine is says double H recommends the healthy menu. Mmm, healthy menu. Someone is calling the phone, so Himari answers, and uh, it is phone. <laughs> it is a teacher, uh, I, I believe, and he says, "Hello, is this Takakura's younger sister?" Uh, presumably referring to one of the brothers. Yep. This is their homeroom teacher. Then we cut away from him to uh, Ringo and her friends sitting on a bench, eating their lunches, and Ringo is on her phone. She always be on that phone. The the Yara girl is reenacting the scene with Kanba on the train for her friend, and she even does the, the shoujo roses, and it's really funny. Yeah. And uh, from, from afar, Sho and Kanba are still watching. Their penguins are just uh, hanging out around the girls and we get another creep shot this is great and fun and good i love this the penguins are fully just they now have actually sexually molested this yaru yeah show turns red and and looks away while kanba looks closer kanba just no regrets absolute kind of a creep honestly yeah and they identify the girls' school uniforms. The Gyaru asks, uh, you know, what's up with Ringo? And Ringo says she's fine. The Gyaru asks, were you trying to steal my octopus-shaped wieners? And we know that it was the penguins who were stealing her octopus-shaped wieners, not Ringo. But since they can't see the penguins, all she knows is that her octopus-shaped wieners disappeared. The penguins are just stealing these people's lunch. It's a good looking lunch. Criminals. 
Ringo says she has to leave early today. Now, why would she have to leave early? That's an interesting question. Anyway, time to get back on the train going away from her home station. Mm Mm-hmm. The boys know she's up to something, and Sho asks, what exactly is the penguin drum anyway? And Kamba doesn't know, and neither do the penguins. And the penguin hat isn't telling them, so they don't have the faintest idea. Sho wants to know if it's really something they can get their hands on. And Kamba says, well, she did ask us to find it and bring it to her, so it must be tangible, I would think. They reaffirm that they are doing this for Himari. They have to. They're back in Ikubukuro. And Ringo is, I think, looking at the same magazine that Himari was looking at, because uh, it is also about cooking and food uh, and, and double H. And Ringo reads, uh, sees a man's heart through his stomach. Wear sexy lingerie every day. Pretty sure that's in the Art of War. <laughs> yeah, Sun Tzu definitely wrote that in the Art of War. <laughs> Your underwear is sexy enough, you will defeat any opponent. Kamba and Shoba are reading magazines, uh, pretending to not be following her, and they say that it looks like she's just browsing through the bookstore. Don't let your guard down. She might be leaving secret messages. What is she, a spy? And Sho's phone goes off and uh, he answers it and Himari is yelling at him, where and what are you doing? He says they're in a bookstore. Himari gets mad at them for skipping school. Yeah, it turns out that their teacher uh, who called earlier was worried and called Himari to let her know that they had not shown up for class today. And as uh, Ringo leaves the store, uh, one of the penguins indicates that uh, the direction that she has gone off to, and Sho says that he will call Himari back. And this whole time, uh, Himari's penguin, Sunny, it has like a little blonde wig on and has been brushing it and looking in a hand mirror, and it's very cute. Having been hung up on Himari now wonders... What she will do if her brothers turn into delinquents. And the wig slowly falls off the penguin's head. Meanwhile, her brothers say they are doing their best as they and the little penguins desperately try and track Ringo until they reach a point where the penguins tell them they cannot go with means of title cards. <laughs> because we're in the sexy 3D model launcher right now. We get some choice 3D animation in this scene of some spinning lingerie. I say lingerie models, and I don't mean like literal people. I mean like mannequin models. Yup. <laughs> Mostly uh, everything from like the neck to like the thigh. The fact that CG makes it so much better. Yeah. The, the swirling like Jacob's Ladder of, of fucking bras the cgi models it's just it's great what what a, what an amazing shot a couple of shots this is quite a tableau truly i think i've like fu- i think i've been through the uh other side version of this location in silent hill <laughs> we also see a gorgeous uh like carousel horse and we pull back to see that the lingerie store is called carousel mitsui and they are basically having a uh, boys at the mall seeing Victoria's Secret for the first time moment. Yep. Anyway, uh, they decide they cannot go in, even though they watch Ringo through the thing. 
arguably creepier than having just gone in. Yeah. Oh god, I'm speculating about the fucking god, I'm sorry. Uh, I was gonna say that the spinning underwear racks was Ikuhara practicing for the staircase scene in Yurikuma. <laughs> Maybe. Amazing. Anyway, Kanba and I cannot, leg- I legitimately cannot tell if he's fucking with Shoma or being serious here. Asks if the underwear she's looking through could in fact be the penguin drum. I am entirely certain he's fucking with his brother here, but like he no sells it. Show turns completely red and says that he can't possibly buy that. Could it be an even more eccentric <laughs> set of lingerie? Yeah, as Ringo walks away from the underwear, they're like, well, that can't be the penguin drum, but could it be something more eccentric? Maybe that, that one with all the holes. holes. <laughs> Horrible. Which holes did their legs go through, says Shoma. I do love that the cutaway here is to one of the penguins playing with a bra, which makes that line unintentionally so much funnier. It's really cute watching this penguin like try to put a bra on its head. It, it is very, um, that one beat from Lilo and Stitch, where Stitch gets into the laundry. Oh, 110%. As Ringo goes to leave, they say, well, the penguin drum obviously isn't here. Anyway, she slips out through a door that doesn't lead back outside. Or, well, doesn't lead back outside the entrance. Yeah. And they realize she has gone outside of the building and is now just fully doing, like, urban explorer dangerous bullshit. (laughs) Sidling along a very narrow window ledge, holding two little bits of, you know, the wall. Almost falling. But somehow managing to stay up there. The penguins, by the way, just so you know, are still wearing a set of panties and a bra over their head. Not that anyone can see them. During this entire sequence. Truly, it is chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kamba and Sho are like, yeah, those, those penguins really are useless. And we see Ringo pull out her phone and go to take a picture of something that is over there. They hear the shutter sound on her phone, which Japanese phones have to have. To indi- and it indicates that uh, she took a picture. Wait, do they have to have them? Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you not know about this? No, I don't. It's, it's a uh, legal thing to prevent you from surreptitiously taking creep shots. Was that enough of a problem they had to make it a law? Yes! Oh, oh, Alice, honey, you sweet summer child. Yes, this is this was a huge problem, especially, like, on trains. And specifically because Japanese trains are very crowded, so, like, a lot of people would take advantage of that because... In that kind of space, it's hard to tell who is doing something and hard to stop someone even if you see them because they can kind of, like, blend into the crowd crush and just be gone at the next stop. Well, that's bleak. They are still following Ringo, and they realize that she is probably waiting for someone, and (laughs) Kamba says, judging from that peculiar action, it could be someone involved with the penguin drum. At this point, I was like, oh, we're going to get to meet her sister. From her, I assumed that the character earlier was her sister, and like that's who we're, that, that's what this is setting up, right? Surely. Oh. Oh, honey, no. Welcome to Ping 7, anyway. 
Uh, there's just a sign that says Ping 7. <laughs> oh, hey, it's Mr. Tabuki, that unassuming homeroom teacher from earlier. And then I immediately started yelling out, Oh my god, it's Don't Stand So Close to Me. I was warned. The police warned me. The good ones. <laughs> they told me, just like that book in Na- by Navikov, and I didn't listen, and, and now this happened. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ringo has gotten up and run to meet uh, Mr. Tabuki, and he recognizes her. He says, oh, Ringo. And the boys recognize him, too, because he is their homeroom teacher. And Mr. Tabaki asks, uh, you're on your way home from cram school again. We've been running into each other a lot lately. That sure, he doesn't say this, but that sure is a coincidence. And Ringo says, oh, well, it's good timing. I wanted to show you something. And she pulls up on her phone the picture she was taking. It's of a bird's nest. And it's uh, one that he had told her about uh, in Ikebukuro. The subtitle says a red rump swallow. The English dub called it a red-breasted swallow. I don't know much about birds, so. It is a swallow that is an an Asian species of swallow. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mr. Tabaki says, wow, this is rare footage. But how did you take this picture? Because obviously you have to be a fucking insane person to go out there and take that picture. I want to stress that in this exchange, he comes across as very sort of like naive and sort of charming in a genuine way here. Mm-hmm. Like he just is really excited because apparently he likes birds and there's it, he is enti- entirely not creepy, which is why this this is so weird. My vibes. joke about future diary was to imply that Ringo is absolutely like a cut your legs off right for the record. Yeah. She says it's a secret how she was able to take the picture. And he doesn't question this at all and says, well then, tell your mother I said hi. Be careful on your way home. And he walks off. And she just immediately has an expression that I can only describe as like, Again, Yandere planning her next three moves. Yeah. Hey, remember that one movie that uh, we watched with Yasha and Vana audition? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ikuhara had to have a Yandere eventually. Like, all the other failed attempts are just way, way too sympathetic. They're, like, way too normal. He needed to have one that was, like, really knocked it out of the park. We get a really good shot of Ringo is tailing Mr. Tabuki and Shoma and Kamba are tailing her and they're sort of like mirroring each other as they're they're both stalking each other and then they point this out. Sho says why on earth is she tailing, uh, tailing Mr. Uh, Tabuki and Kamba says well obviously she's fallen in love with him. Kamba knows what kind of an anime he's in now. Also Penguin 1 has guts and is ready to go, and Penguin 2 is still doing fucking rope spray. And Kamba says, all right, go redeem yourselves. And the penguins toddle forth to do one more sex crime. I'm sorry. I know what they're doing here. They're doing kind of a ironic twist thing where we are supposed to reflect on the fact that Ringo and the boys are both doing sex crimes, and 
Ringo is unaware that she is being victimized in a similar to way way to which she is victimizing Tabuki. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how I feel about this, yo. Yeah. At least one of these jokes probably should have been cut for time. Because the jokes in between those jokes are actually pretty good. Like the penguin as he's now currently sliding under the house is pretty funny. Like most of the visual comedy with the penguins is great. It's just like, did we really need a recurring motif to be penguin sticks its head and or flipper up girl's skirt? Speaking of which, hey, remember that uh, thing from earlier where uh, they were talking about triple lace? Here's the payoff for that brick joke. Kanba notices in a panty shot we do not actually technically see, but the boys are seeing on their video feed. One of the boys, the other one is hiding his face because he does not wish to see. In this image here, we have uh, a shot of, of the two of you at home, uh, you watching this episode. <laughs> Alice behind the the book bag and Cass just uh, staring knowingly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know what it says about me that in this analogy I am that I am Kanba. I was gonna say you're more world weary, but I'm gonna I I think it's no. more that uh, Alice is more uh, easily intensely embarrassed. Yeah, I, I that's think true. Actually, a, a better way of describing it is that Alice and I have different ways of dealing with this specific kind of embarrassment. Also, I true. overreact by kind of going like, "Oh yeah, I've absolutely seen a breast." <laughs> I've been in this situation. I know how to handle it. And Alice reacts by going, Oh god. Why has God abandoned me? Lord, <laughs> why have you sent this trial for me in particular? Please take this cup. I do think it is uh quite merciful on Ikuni's part that for the most part we don't actually see the underwear that is being like ogled at on girls' bodies. Like, we see a little bit of that bra in the beginning, but, like, we don't see, like, the the butt and crotch shots. He, he knew doing this was bad, but he also wanted to make the joke. Yeah, like, it... No, you don't understand. Al the Killer, the song, is actually about... Stop! No! <laughs> I, I just need, like, a little elevator noise so that we can put in a, an audio gag of, like, excise 30-minute... Discussion of Coheed and Cambria, <laughs> in which Panda takes psychic damage. <laughs> yeah, uh, 2011 was a hell of a time for everybody, including. Especially Claudio Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here. Uh, anyway, we have um, three minutes left on this episode, and I guarantee yeah. one of those is the end credits. Yep. Show asks, uh, what are you staring at? And we see what he's staring at. Ringo has, like, set herself up a blanket. She has, like, a little radio. And she is listening to a, like, bird-watching radio show thing while she is laying underneath the house. By the way, uh, Kenji Miyazawa name drop again. Again, that's the author of Night on the Galactic Railroad, so that's the yeah. second in as many episodes. Uh, that must have been what Ikuhara was reading at the time. 
they point out, uh, I alluded to this earlier because I thought this this happened earlier, but Kanba says, it seems like she's doing to Tabuki what we're doing to her. Oh man, I guess it's dramatic irony. That means it's okay. <laughs> In other words, Ringo Onganomi is Tabuki's stalker. A sex criminal, yeah. I actually, I should be fair here. She is stalking him. She has not done specifically sex crimes yet. Just That's true. I don't care. She is literally under his house. I think we need to stress that she has made a pallet underneath his house while she listens to the same radio station. We have left the realm of okayness and entered into the realm of um misery yeah but like she still hasn't like actually done any sex crimes she's just done other crimes yes but also she's under his house this is not an ameliorating statement like this is not like (laughs) we're not lessening the degree we are just being more specific about the types of crimes that she's committing i i do appreciate this weird like the vibe she has here is that one bitten Undertale where you chill with Napstabluke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She is absolutely just vibing on this palette that she has made for herself. And we see above her, in the house above, uh, Tabuki is <laughs> drinking a soda. And he says, an ice-cold cola after work is the best. This man is the most boring man of all time. Girl, you can upgrade. Ringo is that post that's like, if I had a boring-ass girlfriend, I would hype him up every time I walked into the room. I'd be like, here comes the most special boy in the world, and if everybody doesn't clap, I'm going to blow up everything in this room and myself. (laughs) That's Ringo about Mr. Tabuki. Mr. Tabuki and his bird-watching thing. Mr. Tabuki is in the opening sequence in the birdcage motif. Oh, he sure is, huh? I wonder why. There's my absolute joke paying off as the background around uh, Ringo fully fades to an abstract one. We see a, uh, what's the word, a return of the coral and and sea motif as the background for Ringo kind of fades into, she looks like, kind of like she's on the seafloor almost. Yep. And then she pulls a diary with a very unique cover out of her bag. It's got like like a temple with two intertwining sea serpents uh, around it, and it says diary on it. I think this is an allusion to the underwater dragon palace, which is like a specific thing from Japanese myth. But Interesting. We'll have to see if that comes up later. Yeah. She's writing this in her diary, but we hear her narration. Don't worry, your days of eating dinner alone are almost over. And she opens the diary. After all, I'll always be with you from now on. My dear Tabuki, I won't let you feel lonely. It's okay. The future is already written right here. And we see in her uh, diary she's written, I found a swallow's nest in Ikebukuro. Tabuki was really surprised when I showed him the picture. Is the implication that she wrote this, like, is this a, is she death noting this? Yes, because okay. we have been following her all day and she had no opportunity to write this after it happened. Yeah. Okay, I thought that was what was going on, but I wasn't entirely sure. So she wrote this down and, like, it became a prediction of the future, essentially. Though it's a little something. <laughs> she says to herself out loud, nothing in this world is pointless. 
I believe in fate. She marks the next little bit in her diary with a little stamp that says destiny and has a peach on it. It's a very cute stamp. Anyway, Ringo Okonome is 100% going to murder someone one day, and uh, it will be with, like, goddamn microfilament wire. And that's been episode two, Risky Survival Strategy. Ending credits, which are still a bop. Mm -hmm. The little uh, Dragon Palace motif is one of the little things that the uh, circles Mm -hmm. uh, display as they go by. So now we know what the significance of that is. So... What y'all think? How are you feeling about ah! <laughs> I, I'm still okay. Yeah? I felt like the first episode was really strong, and that this one is not quite as strong. But, I find the visual gag, like, the visual humor is still good. Ikahara excels at physical humor, and I'm really glad that we get to see some of that, even if I don't always enjoy some of the execution of certain physical humor bits. The fact that he could get, he could do, like, the fact that they could put in all the penguin stuff, and I still enjoy the penguins being little tactical operator penguins, it is, is saying something. It's like, a, that's meaningful. It's a really well scripted and written episode. My question is sort of like, this is one of those things where, um, I think it was Goethe who, I, I can't pronounce his name, the guy who wrote one of the two versions of Faust people know. Goethe. Goethe, who, like, proposed the, you know, the questions you ask of a creative work where it's like, what is this? Is it what it means? What is this trying to do? Did it do it? Was it a thing worth doing? One and two are absolutely true of this episode. Like, what is it trying to do? It's trying to do what it just did. It flawlessly accomplished its goal which it had was it a thing worth doing i cannot tell because there is a lot of show between this and the end of the series and maybe this will be a thing where it's like oh you you watch a few more episodes it'll you know kind of loop together in a satisfying way but um we came on with incest (laughs) and we followed it up with sex crimes and i i kind of find myself wondering like where do we go oh, next? I do think that collectively the world owes your an apology. Yeah! <laughs> because everything I've ever heard anyone say about your that's even mildly critical, I'm like, what were you guys fucking talking about? <laughs> Have you seen this? More than that, like, okay, so like the penguins are the penguins doing stuff is a little eye roll inducing. Mm-hmm. But if I'm understanding, what, if I'm picking up what the show's putting down, and, and it's kind of examining the ways in which there's this, like, they're, they're establishing a motif of, like, the ways in which we are drawn to things which the, sort of the, the okay, I'm gonna, I'm, this is gonna be dumb. I, I hate that I'm doing this. Okay. It actually is Kierkegaardian this time, I promise. <laughs> it's the ethical and the aesthetic. It's the either or. Like, the conflict between the ethical life and the and the aesthetic life the things that we know are true or know are good bad in an ethical sense combating with the things that we want in a sensual way or in a greed way or in a enjoying life way like you know having this sort of affection for his sister is wrong but he still feels a series of emotions about it 
that are, while deeply ethically bad, real, mm-hmm. right? She is stalking this man, and it is deeply ethically not okay. But also, her feelings are real. Yeah. These are actual organic things within them. And there's some conflict there, right? The things that we want and the things that we should do not work together very well sometimes. And that seems to be what they're going for here. And I can't say I don't, I don't, I can't say that I hate it mm-hmm. as a theme. Like it's something that other Akuni stuff that I've watched touches on a little bit, but not as the main force. It's there in Utsuna. Mm-hmm. It's definitely there in Yurikuma. And it's there a little bit in Zarazanbai. But, like, usually it's the second follow-up punch to something else. And this time it seems like, no, this is the main thing it's about. Mm -hmm. Which I'm cautiously optimistic about. The bit about biology in episode one makes me wonder what angles they're going to play with this. But not in a bad way. Yeah. I, since I didn't finish it, I don't know how all of this this ends up, but I'm interested in getting there. I would very much like to get on Mr. Bones Wild Ride, but I am I am also interested. Ikuhara has multiple times worried me, but he's never let me down before. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I was about to say that, and then I was like, oh wait, no, I hated the Sarazama ending, didn't I? Fuck it. <laughs> More, I've never regretted sitting all the way through an Ikuhara show, and I don't think I'm about to start now. But this is not Yurikuma, where I'm sitting there, and I'm already familiar with the story and where it's going, and I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, this is like all of these deep, insightful things I can say about it. It's like, so this show's about sex crimes now, I guess. <laughs> I would, I, I would caution from... If you are following along with us as you watch the show, I would caution from leaning too heavily on that this early. Yeah. Because these are the low-hanging fruits of this kind of dichotomy, and I have a feeling they will that all of them will not be like this. I, I If that's not true, don't tell me, but I have a feeling. I'm going to go ahead and say I think that the other instances of this dichotomy playing out are not going to be like this mm-hmm. necessarily and that i think that we will i think that they will get more interesting mm-hmm. having been spoiled on one central thing about the show i know we are going to go to some extreme places so part of what is keeping me invested right now is weirdly enough the fact that i have been spoiled mm-hmm. because i want to know how this connects to that yeah yeah yeah. Where are we going, Ikuhara? And how does Night on the Galactic Railroad key into this? Do I have to read Night on the Galactic Railroad now? Because if I, I do, in order to understand this show, I just want you to know, thank you. This is a great excuse for Kenji Miyazawa. As long as he stays with that author and doesn't go to any other children's author for Japanese children's literature, because if Gone anyone the misses- band. If anyone mentions God and the Fox, I'm quitting the podcast for an episode. <laughs> We're not allowed to talk about God the Little Fox ever again. If anyone tweets me that, I will, I will, ba- I will block you. <laughs> God the Fox is a crime. Anyway, yeah. anyway, well, we'll see where that goes in the next episode.
Listeners, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Usnacast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Impandanata. Alice, where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Lyrewolf, which is L-Y-R-E-W-U-O-F. And Cass, where can people find the thing that you do online? Would you like to listen to a podcast where we talk about war crimes instead of sex crimes? Check out Big Steppy. <laughs> Our giant robot, but mostly Gundam podcast. You can find us anywhere on the internet, find podcasts are sold, and on Twitter at SteppyCast. And watch that space. I will be re- kind of soft rebooting the podcast soon. Ooh. I have some content planned regarding um, some Battletech content as well as Gundam content. And I am try- I'm going to try and get a guest. Ooh. So... Um, be on the lookout for that. Nice. If you would like to get in contact with us, you can do that on Twitter or you can email us at imaginemeetsnet at gmail.com. If you would like to su- help support this show, you can do that at utanacast.com. We got a new patron. This is the first episode that we've recorded since getting our new patron. Uh, and I would like to thank our new patron, Stuart. Thank you, Stuart. Oh, thanks. If you would like to also hear us read your name out loud, you can do that at uchnacast.com. If you would like to see me reblog Uchna fan art on Tumblr, you can do that at imaginemeandutna.tumblr.com. And I know that we came up with a sign-off at the end. Uh, I think we just said survival tactic. I haven't ed- I think so. I haven't edited episode one as of this recording, so I don't remember. So um let's just on three we'll all say survival tactic, all right? One, two, three. Survival, survival tactic. tactic. We're never gonna do that right. Never Fuck. ever. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>